Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. And here we are. They say a week is a long time in politics. What a week we've well, had, eh? Um, yeah, it's a bit, well, we've really struggled to kind of find something to talk about. There's been nothing going on at all. It's been boring. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I thought it was going out to Simon Foster, who uh, unfortunately is, does, uh, is poorly, so couldn't do today's show. He had, uh, our tame economics professor, who was going to take us through the uh, some elements of the cost of living crisis. But um, a, a manna from heaven in uh, our old chum, friend of the podcast, I'm sure. Um, Boris Johnson has um, has given us plenty to work with this week. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, as as one leader departs, we've got another leader on that um, that's going to give us the view from the from the blue seats as to how all of that's unfolding and um, and what happens next. So, welcome back to the show, Simon Bosher. Good evening, gentlemen, and how the both of you? Yes, evening, just delighted, delighted to be here. Um, yeah, it's been a uh, in the world of politics. Uh, sometimes when you're putting we're putting these shows together, um, it would be fair to say sometimes we have to we have to pan an awful lot of uh, gravel to get the little nuggets of gold. But this week it's um, it's rather landed in our laps. <laughs> yes, it's fair to say I've been quite popular after my views back in May on uh, what Boris should or shouldn't be doing, uh, that I've had uh, plenty of the uh, other media outlets contacting me, wanting to speak to me, etc. But uh, as ever, gentlemen, I was more than happy to come on your show from a, from a local point of view and passed up some of the others. Marvellous. Oh, bless you. That's appreciate that. Um, so I, I guess the the... the, the first thing we should look at is the the chronology and uh and we've pulled together a sort of match of the day edited highlights of um how did how did we get from boris's election all the way through to um through to to the events of this week so uh i'll just uh rattle through a few salient points and um and then we can pick up some of the uh some of the detail behind that so for those of you that uh that um you know don't follow these things closely uh he was elected in as Conservative leader and and uh, into Prime Ministership back in 2019. Um, originally, there were six candidates. Um, Sajid Javid, Dominic Raab and Rory Stewart fell at the first electoral hurdle. And then it goes down to the final three. Um, so Michael Gove, Jeremy Hunt and Boris went into that mix. Uh, Mr Gove missed out for the second time in a row, which left Jeremy Hunt and Boris on the ballot paper for the Conservative members to decide. And it was a pretty convincing 66 to 34 win for Boris. And uh, it, it's interesting looking back and, and reading around that. Um, you had Boris, who had obviously been very instrumental in the Leave campaign. Um, Jeremy Hunt was a was a strong Remainer. So so perhaps no surprise that uh, that Boris on his, his platform of getting Brexit done um, ended up uh, winning that race. So we then look at the uh, we look at his, his run up. Um, 
September 19, he's in the leadership. The the big election hasn't happened yet, and he's trying to push through the 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 the, the bills to leave Parliament. There's a bit of a revolt, um, and 21 Tories get suspended for not following the party line. Um, Ten of those are then let back in later, but for some of them, that was the that was their final straw. Um, again, the proroguing of Parliament. I think the Law Lords. Um, said that move was in fact unlawful so uh, a bit of a bumpy start until December 19 when the general election comes um, most have Boris slight favourite and uh, and the Conservatives the Conservatives romped to an 80 seat majority and I think probably most surprising is that the the red wall in the in the sort of north of the Midlands and, and into the north turns blue many constituencies for the first time in uh, in a generation or, or, or ever uh, and suddenly Boris is now landed with a massive mandate mandate to uh, to get brexit done um, following on from that in March of 2020 he's, he's taken ill where you know with covid in in you know just starting to break and just before that first lockdown um, you know he's ill he's taken into to ends up in intensive care, and I think the nation watches, and and thankfully most politicians unify between wishing him well. Um, just after the back of that is then the you know first of the of the sort of personal controversies where things are a little bit murky. Um, his Downing Street flat is being refurbished. Um, it later emerges it's not clear who's footing the bill for that, although ultimately he ends up paying for it. Um, the Conservative Party gets fined nearly £18,000 by the Electoral Commission for not accounting that properly. And again, it's it's uh, well, it's a murky episode where, where things don't seem as clear-cut as they could be, and there are a number of attempts to explain what's going on. That's then followed in November, where Priti Patel is found um, is found to have breached the ministerial code, um, and Boris is asked to suspend her. Now, ultimately, the decision as to whether anybody has broken the ministerial code, including Boris himself, comes down to the prime minister to decide. He decides that she hasn't broken the ministerial code, um, and effectively that ends the matter. Apart from the fact that his ethics advisor then kind of throws his, his, his paper in the air and exits stage left. We then move on to December 20, when the first um, vaccine is injected into the arm um, of a, a, an 80-year-old pensioner. And this really, that, that rollout of the vaccine is, is and the early approval in the UK is something that, you know, uh, Boris and the team are rightly very proud of. And, and this is where, probably we start to see the building towards the peak of his popularity. So in May of 21, the, the Hartlepool by-election is won, which again, for a standing government to be winning um, midterm by-elections is, is, is pretty rare. To win Hartlepool is rarer still. So really at that point, you know, Team Boris is, is, is in good shape despite those earlier sort of slightly questionable events. It kind of turns on its head in June when Cheshire and Amersham are lost. And then we get to September of 21, where it really is a, a, a pretty ugly scenario where Owen Patterson is found guilty of lobbying 
and paid lobbying and therefore under the ministerial code he should be suspended for 30 days. Boris tries to rally the troops behind changing the rules. Um, the first vote goes through but then it's pretty clear that within 24 hours he's starting to lose the um, support of the party and I think a number of people have said oh come on you know this doesn't look right we're not going that way and he's forced to do a slightly embarrassing or a very embarrassing U-turn. So as a result of that Owen resigns there is a by-election in North Shropshire and that is unfortunately another one that uh, that Team Blue lose. Now just after that in November the whole Partygate scenario starts to break in the media and that runs all the way through to April and it's a uh, it seems to be a well-orchestrated piece of media management by personal persons unknown. As little details leak, it dies down, more details are leaked, until eventually in April, um, Boris receives a fixed penalty notice, which is the first time in the history that a standing prime minister has been found to have broken the law. Um, there's then the, the, the vote of confidence in, in May, which um, Boris wins by a sort of 60-40 majority. Um, there, there is a statement then from him that, you know, he considers that to be a resounding victory and he's got the party with him. Um, and looking back, it is a, there are many who have questioned as to whether the Conservative Party in Parliament played that card too soon, as they're in two heavy by-election losses in June, one to Labour, one to the Lib Dems. And then I guess the the, the the final straw that broke the camel's back was the Chris Pincher situation where Chris Pincher resigned after allegations of sexual impropriety. Um, Boris, when questioned, says he knew nothing of any previous allegations um, and that becomes you know, ministers that are then wheeled out to to take that line. And then later, I think it was on the Monday, um, a, a senior civil servant went into writing to say, well, that simply isn't true. I briefed him personally on those previous allegations and advised against appointing Chris Pincher. At this point, we then see two of his front bench, Sajid Javed and Rishi Sunak, resign within about 20 minutes of each other, similar looking resignation letters. Um, the numbers start to stack up of resignees. I didn't realize there was that many people in um, in cabinet positions. Um, and eventually by the time it gets to, I think it got to about 60 in the end, um, there was no, it was no longer tenable. And Boris has stepped up and said he will resign as leader of the Conservative Party and um, will wait for a new leader to come in the autumn. And I guess unless there are any twists and turns yet still to come, therein roll the credits. Is that the end for Boris Johnson in front bench politics? Who knows? Who quite, knows? Quite a <laughs> so, list. 
that's quite that's quite a list. So um, yeah, so sorry if our if our listeners and thankfully Simon has stayed at least stayed awake while uh, while you went through that. Um, that well, I that, gave him the uh, best delivery. No, I know, no, oh, yeah. nothing, nothing Thrown about the delivery, the man. Was, presenter. No, that's not what I'm saying, man. I'm just saying there was a lot to cover, and it's even the oh, highlights yes. need a highlight because. Um, well, I, I think I think, gentlemen, the highlight was when Ian's cat walked across in front of him on the screen. Actually. Yes, yeah, that, that, yes. that is Enid Blyton, the cat of truth. We have two cats, Enid Blyton and Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle, um, who occasionally make uh, make an appearance. So, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm so guessing, uh, and it depends whether Enid was demure and gave you the side-on shot, or whether. Um, sometimes she's not unknown to to make her feelings known towards the camera. No, uh, well, it, the tale was, was the, the tale was very Andrea Jenkins, I have to say. At the point. <laughs> so, <Okay>. Simon, <laughs> you know, you, you touched on it just in the lead-in. Um, what has life been like as a, a conservative member, councillor, and group leader um, under the tenure of, um, of of Boris Johnson as the national leader? Well, well, I have to say, I mean, the, the issues around Boris and primarily party gate, party gate um, only really came to a head in and around election time, if I'm honest. Uh, since then, it has, it has died down. Um, and certainly, uh, I actually had a, a ward surgery yesterday morning. And after what has been happening during the past few days it wasn't mentioned once and yet my surgery was packed uh, for the entire two hours that we ran it we actually had a queue of people it was never mentioned once it was all about local issues uh, and back to what you might call the day job as much as anything mm. uh, and that was largely how it was uh, in the run-up until the election started but of course then party gate was was in full swing and it became very much uh, an issue on the doorstep that a lot of people that would traditionally be conservative voters didn't feel that they could vote for their local candidate primarily because of what was going on in number 10. And that, from a local activist point of view, is an extremely frustrating thing. And of course, uh, locally, we saw the loss of, of two hardworking councillors in, in, in Frank Jonas and, and, and Hannah Hockaday, who essentially were were victims of what had been going on behind the door at the 10 and all of that. But generally, it's been about local politics, I have to say, um, and it seems to be continuing that way. I would have expected perhaps at least some comments yesterday after what has been a pretty unprecedented week, but I didn't have a, a single one, and neither did my colleagues that were there as well. We, we, we were quite surprised, actually, when we, when we had our wrap-up that... Not one resident had mentioned what had been going on uh, at number 10 and uh, uh, and the rush to the exit that seemed to have been going on uh, as far as the cabinet was concerned. But but like you, I I actually didn't appreciate there were that many cabinet ministers, to be quite honest. Yeah, and I, when I was reading down the list, Simon, it was like the trade envoy to Morocco has resigned. And I was like, well, I'm, it, it's another name, but I'm not sure that that's going to be the, the most crippling blow that... Uh, these received this week. So, from a local perspective, do, do you think that? I, I mean, obviously, you, you know, the the results this year were very disappointing from a local conservative perspective. Do you think there was there was a a vaccines dividend the previous year when obviously you know 
the 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 vaccine rollout was in full swing the 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 prospects of coming out of lockdown were were looking pretty good and um you know we didn't have any of those kind of inflationary cost of living pressures that were were starting to build come april may this time i think there i think there was because certainly um as as much as uh, as boris has had what i could probably describe as, as personal problems when you when you look at delivering brexit and i appreciate that is is still divisive uh he, he delivered on what we were looking for there uh and when it came down to covid and the vaccine uh that was another success story so clearly there is always going to be a bounce from your uh if you're the party of government on these successes but we've started to move back more into what uh, I could probably loosely describe as day-to-day issues, tax, education, mm. health, and, and what most people expect from the running, uh, running of a government, as opposed to the, perhaps the two uh, main talking points we've had over the last sort of three or four years, Brexit and then subsequently COVID, um, which I think any government of any particular uh, political colour would have found difficult to deliver on those those two particular headlines. But now we're moving more back into the day-to-day stuff. And we're seeing it from a local political point of view as well uh, in, in what was expected of the council and, and how that actually delivers, that we're seeing people perhaps reconsidering where they actually vote uh, and who is best either locally or nationally for where they particularly want to be. So in terms of your surgery yesterday, it, 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 it sounds like, you know, with the people you've got coming through their door, the, the door almost, it, it sounds like they felt last week was, as almost, you know, for those of us who are politically interested, we, we almost don't, we see that as the start of a new chapter, whereas it, it sounds almost like the constituents that come in to talk to you, we're seeing that as a sort of closure or just the end of an era. Uh, I, I wouldn't suggest that. I mean, we, we hold a monthly surgery. I mean, a lot of councillors do something similar. And there can be some occasions when we think we're doing a wonderful job. And we might get one or two people walk through the door. As it happens, I'd, I'd had several messages me during the week because they wanted to come in and talk about local issues. Uh, we don't do an appointments basis. We, we had things from planning. We had things from parking issues. Uh, road safety issues, um, even down to foliage that needed addressing. There was the issue that we've had, as have other wards with, with travellers in, in Drayton and Farlington. So there was a lot of local issues and a lot of things going on that people felt that they needed to drop in and talk about, as well as some that were, were clearly personal uh, issues with regards to the resident, which I'm obviously not going to speak about yeah. here. Sure. But it... But, but it, it can go like that. We, we can have two or three surgeries where we might just have a few people through the door. And then every now and then we might get one where, where it, it seems like it's going to be never ending and, and, it, and it's literally queued. Or we get groups of people come in because they've all got a, a common issue that they all want. They've all obviously spoken to each other about and they want to come in and see. Uh, and that's how it actually was on, on Saturday morning. Uh, we, we usually start at 9.30, but we get there and, and, and open it up and get it prepped at 9 o'clock. And we had two or three people waiting at 9 o'clock for us. So it does happen occasionally, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that down to what's been happening politically over the past week because it was, it was never a topic of conversation. Excellent. Okay. And does, does it, um, I mean, obviously that's the, that's the, the, um, the voting public, um, What's what sort of response are you getting from 
from fellow uh, from fellow councillors or from uh, from other other party members in the lo- in the local association? Is it something that's that they're having a view on? Is that something that's that's being talked about? And what sort of thing are they are they saying? Well, you mean you mean about uh, about what's happened over the past week? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, clearly we 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 have a as the other parties do a conservative WhatsApp group, and it's fair yeah. to say that that's been pretty busy. Um, yeah. pro- primarily, we, uh, was it was it Wednesday when everybody uh, and, and his dog were seemed to be resigning from the cabinet? It was it was a constant so and so's just resigned, so and so's resigned, so and so's resigned. It, it was it was keeping up with the messages, and it gets to the point where if you haven't looked at your phone for, for half an hour, suddenly there's. 26, 30 WhatsApp, unread WhatsApp messages about people resigning. And, and I would imagine the other groups might well have had a, a similar view uh, uh, telling everybody who's resigning and, and, and who's not uh, uh, and whatever. But at the same token, um, we also discuss local issues. We've got a council meeting coming up in uh, just over a week's time. So that's becoming a focal point for people to actually uh, look at from what questions and notes of motion that are going to be down there. And my early indication is it's it's going to be one of those where you're probably going to have to order breakfast for Wednesday morning with the number of notes of motion that's that's going forward. I believe there's about ten, so that's wow. going to be uh, a long meeting, I would imagine, and uh, probably some questions to go. So the the group is beginning to focus on that, but. We also discuss a lot of local issues um, that, that may well be in there. And as you can appreciate, one of the, the significant issues that's probably featured in ours, as it has in other groups, has been the influx of traveller camps that we've had dotted across the city over the last sort of 10 days or so as well, and, and how best to manage those and, and deal with the residents. Uh, so our, our, our WhatsApp group covers a wide variety uh, of issues going in different directions, and, and obviously most recently over the weekend it, it's been largely about penny uh, as you would imagine um, and um we we noted that um she's uh, I, I think lots of people were were suspecting that she might chuck her hat into the ring but she's um she's done that this morning hasn't she so she's officially put her um put her hat in, into the ring so uh yeah thank you it's just interesting trying to see kind of that side of it it's we wonder sometimes whether people that are quite unquote a bit obsessed with politics fascinate over these things and actually to what degree they're actually absorbing um, other conversations is worth remembering because otherwise you just end up in a little bubble where you're you're hyper-focused on something there. Well, I, yeah. And I think the Pompey Politics uh, Facebook page demonstrates mm. that. I mean, let's face mm. it, if you're a member of that Facebook group, then you have a, polit- a political view uh, and you've already got predetermined views. You're not going to convince anybody on that group if, if they're staunch Labour to vote Conservative because that's where they actually sit. My my best barometer, uh, as it happens, was, as I said, my council mm-hmm. surgery, which just happened to be uh, yesterday morning. And the fact that the, the residents that came in to see us, and we probably had about 30 to 40 through the door uh, over the, the two hours that we, we hold it, it was all about local issues. Some of it was supportive. Some of it was critical of, of, of council and the council response in certain circumstances. But it was all about the local environment in Drayton and Farlington, local issues, how we can improve things, what needs to be addressed. And that was it. Residents caring about their local community and uh, in, in that respect and coming to their local councillors. It, it, it's not... 
necessarily a forum about um, national politics. It very, very rarely, if ever, features. And, and we did have some people through the door that I know make it quite, uh, and they've made it quite clear in the past, although they will work with us and support us, don't necessarily vote Conservative uh, locally or nationally. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't mentioned at all yesterday, which was quite an interesting barometer, I think, yeah. uh, with regards to what's been going on from a national point of view. Yeah, in, in, indeed. So, uh, I mean, we talked there about um, uh, obviously um, Portsmouth North MP Penny Morden um, putting a putting a Royal Naval Reservist hat into into the ring, and I've um, stolen that line shamelessly from uh, from Lynn in South Coast politics. Um, so I think one time Bookie's favourite Ben Wallace um, is now has actually said that he's not standing anyway. So we've now currently got as we as we go to air, we've got nine contenders um, with um, I think Liz Trust yet to formally um, say that she's entering the fray. Um, so we've got nine contenders in there. Um, have you got anything particular to to say um, about any of the candidates? And I'll and I'll run them across the bottom of the screen just in case you and anybody else can't actually remember who all of them are because it's um, there is quite a there's quite a panoply of I don't know what the collective noun for a bunch of conservative leadership hopefuls is, but yeah, you're you're not doing that one. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm just waiting for something to come up in the chat on, uh, as to what that could be described yeah. as. But it, it, yeah, it, we're, it we're is, not opening that up to suggestion, I mean, just in case. Uh, yeah. But yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, Simon. I mean, there are, there are a couple of names there that I, I will confess that I, I don't know an awful lot about. Um, but obviously, as you can imagine, I do know a lot about. Um, yeah, a gaggle. That's a polite one, I think. I'm going um, for an. I'm going for an uh, optimism. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that one's going to be a prize for the best yeah. choice, I think, on that one. But please keep yes. it clean. Family show. Um, um, I mean, there are there are some that I don't, I don't know too much about, but obviously I, I do know a lot about Penny because I've been working with her uh, probably since about 2005, which is when I think she first put her hat in the ring to become the uh, Portsmouth North candidate and uh, and lost in her first attempt. So I, I've known uh, Penny for, uh, what, near on 20 years, not too far away from 20 years. Um, so I know what what qualities that she's got. Um, there are um, some that I look at and I think, well, mm, Rishi Sunak, uh, I mean, he's been very polished as the Chancellor that got us through COVID, but... He's not exactly uh, clean, got clean hands when it comes to, to party gate because he also got um, uh, fines. He got the fixed penalty notice as well. Um, and the other thing that probably wouldn't necessarily chime well, I think, when it comes to Rishi is the fact that his family finances and the, the questions that came around about that and therefore would he be considered, if you like, a man of the people, for want of a better expression? So I think there's some some issues around uh, Rishi Sunak, and, and he's likely to be one of the, the front runners, um, I, I would suggest, in, in this particular uh, campaign. I think some of the people like uh, Suella and Kemi, uh, I think there's a degree of optimism, if I'm honest, for them putting their names forward. They're not exactly well-known personalities. And I, I have to say, I confess, I know very little about Kemi. Um, and then you look at people like um, Nadim Zawawi, who's put his name forward. 
Um, he, he's, not, he's not made any secret of the fact that he wants to apply for the top job. It begs the question, why did he accept the role of Chancellor uh, one day and then go straight into Boris the next day and say, I think you should resign and then put his hat in the ring the day after? I have to, I have to say, Simon. I, I thought that was a really poor look. You know, there's an element of, I'll quite happily take this high-profile job from you, but I think you should resign. Oh, and by the way, I'd like your job. I think it, that just played, you know, again when we're talking about, you know, integrity, that 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 didn't sit well with me at all. And I have to say, it didn't with me. And and if and if as a, a you know a member of the Conservative Party, which I clearly am, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. Then you translate that to the voting public and say it clearly isn't going to sit well uh, with them as in that respect as well. And arguably, you could also look at Rishi again and say you resign one day and put your hat in the ring the next day after encouraging the Prime Minister to leave. I mean, he, he is. He is part of the, the the Boris Johnson clique. And I think some people might look at it and say, because you are closely associated with Boris as being a key member of his cabinet, therefore mudsticks, for want of a better expression. Now, whether that is, is um, uh, unfounded or otherwise, we're in a, we're in a society where social media um, perception uh, does actually carry some weight. And I think um, it's one of those uh, where Rishi is going to find himself with an uphill problem. Um, again, and, and, and perhaps the others, uh, I mean, perhaps I'm being a little bit flippant with Grant Zapps, but I've, having, having um, had to fly to Berlin and, and have my, my return flight cancelled three times uh, in the space of 12 hours before I was flying home. And then I had to go to Paris for work uh, right in the middle of a train strike. Um, he's not exactly flavour of the month with me, but that's a personal view as far as I'm concerned in that respect. Uh, and Jeremy Hunt is always going to be one of those that is going to put his hat in the ring. Um, if I'm honest, I think uh, probably the final two or three might come down to somebody like uh, Rishi Sunak, possibly Penny, I'd like to think so, and maybe an outsider maybe like Tom Tugendhat or something in that sort of order. But it will come as no surprise to anybody that that my, uh, and I've already made my position perfectly clear, that, that my candidate is going to be Penny. Absolutely, Simon. And for those of us that are Conservative members, um, you know, Mr. Sansbury there doesn't get a vote, but you and I do. I think it is important to stress that ultimately, by the time we get to an opportunity to put a cross in a box, there is this element of that field, you know, will be whittled down in, in kind of three tranches. First of all, each candidate will need to have a number of MPs supporting them to get on the first ballot. Um, and I believe the 1922 committee are going to set that threshold tomorrow. Um, you have got people like um, Sajid Javed and Jeremy Hunt who were in the race last time around. Um, so you, you kind of think, well, they, they're going to be there or thereabouts. I mean, the, the interesting thing for me looking at that, um, you know, I think you've you've touched on some of the outsiders who... I, I'm not sure are going to make it into round one. Um, I, I would expect there probably to be half a dozen. Um, 
and 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 I think for me the the um, it's going to be interesting to see who the final three and then the final two are. Um, obviously, I'm 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 in the PM for PM camp. Um, if Penny wasn't standing, then I've always had a, a quite a soft spot for um, Sajid Javid, um, and I you know he missed out last time, but um, I think he could be there or thereabouts. But it, it'll be interesting to see who we finally uh, finally get the choice of two between. So, and just I'm to kind of, yeah, yeah, well, uh, we, we shall see. But with kind of process-wise, because that hasn't always happened, has it? Because with um, with Theresa May's um, um, selection as leader, because Angela Ledson pulled, actually, it was Angela Ledson and Theresa May in the final two. And because Angela Ledson pulled out, um, it didn't go to the membership, did it? It was just ratified by, by the MPs. Cor- correct. And I think the interesting thing with that is that actually... The difference in votes between Angela Ledson and Michael Gove was actually very small. It, it was a fraction of a percent. Um, but yes, ultimately, when that die was cast and the final two were announced, um, Angela then tucked a ball under her arm and went home. And uh, we ended up with Theresa May by default. Yeah. You can, you can spin it back a little bit further as well, gentlemen, because... Uh... And please correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go back to the time when Tony Blair handed over to Gordon Brown, uh, I think it was essentially a coronation and the, the Labour the Labour members didn't get a chance to vote on whether they thought he was the right person to do the job or not. No, very very much that was uh that that was a that was a gentleman's agreement, I believe, in terms of uh of the way that, that was gonna work and um yeah, it was uh that is exactly how it followed through. So, you know, there is that piece where you know, we, there are processes, and it will, as I say, it will be, it will be interesting to see. We haven't, we haven't touched on Liz Truss there, Simon. Do you think she is going to, uh, going to step in? Um, I, I, I don't have a telephone number, so I couldn't. I've got no inside info. I'm afraid. So I've got no inside information on whether Liz Truss will do so. Um, it will be interesting if she did, um, and I'd be surprised if she didn't, to be quite honest, because you, the, the people I mentioned as maybe being the top three, if you extended that and made it a top four, then I will put mm. this trust in that mix as well. I mean, it's an interesting, interesting contrast in the in the electoral method that's, that's chosen, because um, the Conservatives do this kind of, it's almost like the Hunger Games, where you kind of have a, you have a quarter quell and you get basically get down to the final two. Um, whereas, um, and I, d- I wonder whether that in some ways actually c- creates the divisions that sometimes seem to seem to inhabit as a, as a casual outside observer where some, you know, a, uh, you know, a third or a quarter of the party are supporting a particular candidate who gets ruled out quite early on in the, in the process Whereas, um, for example, in the Liberal Democrats, um, internal elections are done by single transferable vote. So you actually know that the person that's selected either has an overwhelming first choice uh, amongst the candidates or indeed is actually a higher weighted, you know, sorry, a a higher also has a second preference choice for, um, for other people. So at least you've got more buy-in from the from the membership is there and that would also make for a shorter election because you've only got one round is that is that something that's worth thinking of well it's an interesting thing isn't it because just to throw the third dimension in there 
which is the Labour Party's approach to electing a new leader. If you remember, um, back must have been around 2015, 16, when the parliamentary party was saying, we simply cannot work with Jeremy Corbyn, um, an attempt to, to oust him, effectively he jumped straight back on the the ballot paper and all of the all of the newly minted it cost me three pounds to join the Labour Party crew um, voted Jeremy Corbyn back in obviously against the wishes of the parliamentary party so your thoughts on that Simon yes I mean you're talking about a split and I think the Labour Party is a is a is a good benchmark with that because clearly you you, you had the um the socialist uh, aspect of Jeremy Corbyn against the more moderate uh, Labour group. And, and that was clearly a split that uh, play, played out and, and still plays out. Um, certainly, if you look at the local, local Labour Party uh, and what happened to George Fielding, that split is actually still there. Um, I think the party will always unite behind its leader, largely, notwithstanding what I've actually just said there. Um, the Liberal Democrat one is not something that I know too much about, but essentially when you're looking for a leader of the Liberal Democrats, you're fishing from a significantly smaller pool than you are with the Labour or the Conservative groups in, in Westminster. Um, I mean, that that that's true. Uh, I mean, there was indeed a, a motion to make it not a requirement that it was actually a sitting MP um, that was the party leader. But um, I, I was just wondering whether the mechanism is, is um, in a sense, it, drives a coalition of agreement rather than a competition between a whittling down to two combative parties uh, and maybe in that respect um that would help with um, discontent within the within the membership if that's possible going forward it was just a just a thought as to whether the mechanism itself mm. did you know could could serve you better so if we follow on on that line of discontent and a contentious issue at the moment obviously the what I think Boris described as the herd mentality, which I thought was a little um, offhand, which has, has forced him to resign, is about his, you know, doesn't isn't about policy, but it's about his personal integrity. Is it right that he should stay on as a caretaker prime minister or should somebody like Dominic Raab, who, you know, has clearly indicated he he's not going to be in this next round of elections, be be taking care of business until until the new elected leader steps forward? Um, I sort of have a mixed view on that one, and, and I've sort of turned that one over uh, over the last few days because it's clearly been a question that's been sort of front and centre in the fact that Boris should go now, Boris should, should hang on. Uh, I tend to look at more to do with uh, the role of the Cabinet. I mean, we've essentially got a lame duck Prime Minister, and we've obviously got an election process to go through. I, I'm personally, I'm not comfortable with it waiting all the way until the October and, and, and the Conservative Party conference to elect a new leader and, and enter Prime Minister. I'd like to think it could be done in an extremely shortened period of time on that respect. Um, it's more about the Cabinet, as far as I'm concerned, and the day-to-day -day working and making sure that the Cabinet is working properly, um, because then you've got a functioning government that's actually doing the job that it's elected to actually do. Um, Theresa May sort of stayed on for a period of time and we've seen others in the past where we've had this do do something similar. My personal view, um, 
I'd probably like to see Boris uh, stand down sooner rather than later and let somebody move on with it. Probably somebody like Dominic Raab. I mean, he, Dominic has not put his hat in the ring, so therefore um, he, there's no personal motivation for him to want to step in and become the Prime Minister for the time being. If Dominic Raab had or is intending to put his name forward, then I would suggest that it's probably the not, mm. not the right thing to do. Uh, but because he hasn't, I think maybe pass over to Dominic Raab uh, and let him move forward with the business of government. I guess the other factor to throw into the mix there, some which people might not be aware of, is obviously Parliament actually rises for the summer recess in a week and a half. And everybody goes on holiday until I think it's early September. So the, I guess the, the, the flip side to that is anybody who's who's put in position to cabinet at the moment has probably got enough time to work out the names of the people in their new office before they head off on holiday. And then by the time they get back, potentially there's a new leader that might be wanting somebody else sat in their seat. Yeah, on the other hand, though, Ian, uh, to suggest that they'll disappear off on six weeks holiday is, is probably a little bit disingenuous to them because... Certainly, my experience, certainly of, of MPs, is the fact that they may well have a summer holiday, but just because they're not in the House of Parliament at that period doesn't mean they're not doing the, the, the day work, if you like, actually in their, um, in their particular oh, constituencies of government that's going forward. So they will certainly be uh, working from a, from a cabinet position on, on tackling some of the issues that are actually going to be moving forward through the summer months. We're just not going to be seeing the usual punch-ups that you normally get on a on a Wednesday lunchtime. That is usually half an hour of my life. I'm not going to get back if I'm completely honest about it. Um, uh, well, yeah, the the Punch and Judy show um, doesn't need to carry on, does it? I mean, there's no new legislation or no debates in Parliament, but like you say, there's still government of, the work of the government of the day going on um, in Whitehall, isn't there? So, um, so. We've talked about the process. We've talked about the runners and riders, the ones that you're the ones that you're aware of. Um, what sorts of policies or values should candidates be exhibiting um, in order to gain the favour of MPs and of, and of members? Um, well, there are there, there are three three words that that, that spring to mind, uh, and I know some people um, will probably wade in with with laughing emojis, but I think, and it goes with any uh, politician, I think. It's, it's honesty, it's integrity, uh, and it's competence. I think we've seen this sort of presidential style of, of leadership, and I think we need to look at the collective and say, yes, we're going to have a, a captain of the ship, if you like, but the whole crew needs to be competent uh, and work as a team around them. I mean, certainly if I look at my, my local uh, Conservative group, I may well be the one sat here. But I've got a team of talent and it's about making sure that the square pegs are in the square holes uh, and everybody is moving in the correct direction. And that's what I'd be looking for from a, from a future leader of the Conservative Party is making, um, making sure that, um, that they, are, they do have the honesty, integrity and, and the competence. And I think Penny has got that. And you could argue when you look at somebody like uh, Rishi Sunak, um, the integrity, well, he got fined during lockdown. And I think that is always going to come back to haunt him should he be the leader of the Conservative Party. Uh, and when it comes down to competence, 
Well, I like to think that politicians of all parties have a degree of competence in what they're actually doing and where their skill sets actually are. But it's the view of those people that that vote against them, I guess, um, uh, would would have that that separate view. But those are the three key aspects that I'd be looking for in in any leader and indeed any MP or elected uh, councillor or or. or or, or any elected position in, in, in that respect. Now, just in the, I'd, I'd welcome your thoughts, Simon, on, on you know, I, I consider myself to be a fiscal conservative. So I've really struggled with, with Boris and Rishi as a double act in terms of that populist approach and the, the, the kind of, the, the, you know, the approach over over COVID and, and, and I think some of the measures were spot on, but I think a lot of the measures were very, very fiscally reckless. So I, I, my only wonder is having come through a period where the Conservatives spent money like no other Conservative government in, in the past, you know, it is a fiscally Conservative message, which probably would play well to the MPs and the membership, is that, will, will, do you think that can land with the electorate or, or, you know, is the electorate now just expecting the, the taps to be open and, and the state to pay? I think we need a balanced approach. I mean, I, I know we sort of turned the taps on during COVID, but let, let's be, be brutal about it. The COVID pandemic uh, was such uh, an extraordinary event that it needed extraordinary action and things like the furlough scheme in particular which i benefited from for a little period of time and the the vast majority of the country did to keep people in jobs i think it was the right and the correct thing to do but there is always going to be a balance when when something like that is done that at some point there's going to need to be some sort of taxing um, that needs to address that how that tax uh, that tax is is recouped remains to be seen. We're in a cost of living crisis, mm. and and mm. I would look for a balance that actually looks to reduce the tax, particularly for uh, the lower income households, and perhaps look to uh, increasing some of the corporation tax rates that we actually got, so that there is a benefit going forward there as well. It needs to strike a balance, and and one of the things. Having said, I'm putting my hat in the ring for Penny, but I'll be very interested in looking at what some of the other candidates actually have to say about how they're actually going to tackle that issue. Because going forward, I think it's not going to be about Boris now because he's yesterday's man. It's going to be more about some of the issues of the day. And quite clearly, from the media point of view, the significant one is going to be what's called the cost of living crisis Mm. and how we actually, how each candidate is proposing to tackle that going forward it will be um if that's a major issue it will be interesting interesting to see i know a lot of the candidates were on um on the media this morning um talking about how they would or wouldn't uh, scrap the um the national insurance rise um how they would or wouldn't be committing to um to um uh, carbon neutral at net zero by uh, by 2050 and it's but, and there was some trip ups there for them about basically how that was going to be paid for, how those things that they were talking about were going to be paid for. And indeed, a couple of them, a couple of the candidates seem to be saying, oh, yes, well, I, I've I'll be releasing next week how I'm going to be paying for all of this. But I've told you this week what I'm going to be what I'm going to be saying or how I want to lower taxes. But I'll leave it till next week to tell you how I'm actually going to pay for that. Um, is that. 
do you, do you think that conversation is something that that the that you know that that's going to fly at the moment with the um with the with the public or is that because the electorate in this case aren't the public you're talking about eventually conservative members are they perhaps looking for actually a like Ian describes himself as a are they looking for signs of a fiscal conservative rather than what we've had over the last two years which um it's fair to say is something else i think they will be um but obviously people like myself i don't get a vote on or 9 10 11 12 or however many candidates are mm-hmm. actually going to end up in the field mm-hmm. I, I will get a, a vote in the in the later stages so it's going to be a case of, of building up that that uh, that knowledge piece if you like of the candidates so that when i get to the final two three or four however many it actually mm-hmm. is then it's going to, you will have a more rounded view of what they actually stand for and, and it will give you a good indication of, of the direction they're going to be looking to take the Conservative Party and indeed the government of the day because I don't think we're going to be sitting here looking at a, a general election in, in the autumn time or anything like that anytime soon. I think whichever way you look at it, it's still going to be an 80-seat majority and anybody that's going to be moving into number 10 is probably going to want to see out their, the, the term of the Parliament. So I, I was just wondering then whether, whether kind of looking back to, to some of the other things that, that you said, whether then, so you've got almost kind of two elements. One is the response to the quote unquote, the, the fiscal conservatism. And the other one is how close have you been to the existing administration in order to be distant enough from it to not be tarred by it, but close enough to it to still remain competent? Is that kind of the, essentially the, the, the kind of the three kind of things that are, key to balance well well yes i mean it depends because i mean let, let's face it i mean uh, penny has been paymaster general she's now uh doing trade so she uh, is is a is a cabinet men- member who's if you like kept her powder pretty dry and not expressed views one way or the other so i think penny has been close enough to the fact that she's got the experience to do the top job but actually she's actually been clever enough to maintain a distance that hasn't tarred her with uh, any of the goings on that have been associated with number 10 in that respect. She's certainly not been one of the, uh, the protagonists in, um, in, in bringing Boris down in the, in the way that, that some people have. So I think that, so I don't think Penny um, is associated in any shape mm-hmm. or form with what's been going mm-hmm. on, but she does have the experience to actually do the particular job. Whereas if you look at some of the others that are actually in it, you could argue that Jeremy Hunt is in a similar situation to Penny because he hasn't he hasn't been a cabinet member uh, under under Boris, but I think he's the, one of the longest serving uh, health secretaries yeah. um, that we've actually yeah. had. So clearly he's been one of those that has got that experience going forward. Is he the right person to go forward from now? I'd argue possibly not, but it'll be interesting to see how people shape it because I think, as I said, certainly the Conservative Party members are going to be looking at how this moves forward with fiscal conservatism. But we also got the eyes of the world and the eyes of the UK looking on which direction it's actually going to move in as well. So what the candidates talk in terms of things like certainly tax and the cost of living uh, is going to be uh, a significant view. There are other views uh, that, have, that have come out with regards to Rwanda and uh, the asylum issues there, uh, the approach to Ukraine. 
So there are going to be both domestic and foreign policy issues that are going to be front and centre for a lot of the media who are going to be reflecting the views of, of, the, of the voting public as to how these candidates are going to perform going forward. Because, as I said, I don't think we're going to be going to a general election in the autumn time. I certainly hope not. Uh, so what people are saying now as the candidates is going to be something that's going to take us through until the end of the particular, this particular parliament. So we're going to have a significant period of time with those policies going forward. And that's that's an interesting perspective. I mean, there, there's an argument that says that, that, you know, the new leader would might want to seek a mandate from the British public. But I think with an 80 seat majority and with the current, um, you know, the current kind of if you like popular view of the Conservative Party, I, I think I agree with you. It would be madness to to, to try and pull that forward. Um, you know, when there was an 80-seat majority secured, you know, I, I saw a lot of political commentary that said, you know, almost Keir Starmer was going to be a, a bit of a holding leader because no, no opposition party could overturn an 80-seat majority in one term of parliament. I guess as we look towards the election, and I think, you know, do you think there's any chance of it happening sooner rather than later? And if it happens later, you know, what, what are your hopes and fears as to what that outcome might look like? Um, again, I, I don't think I don't think it'll be a general election sooner rather than later. I think that new person is going to want to put their leadership stamp forward, going forward, shape the team how they actually want to move forward. Uh, and, and start setting the policies going through the next year or two. Um, when I, so I don't think that we're going to be seeing a general election anytime soon. Um, that's probably not what Keir Starmer really wants to hear, because it also distances from a time point of view, things like Partygate and, uh, and moving on. They, they've tried over the past week to move it away, the narrative away from, from Boris and what Boris's uh, get up to uh, uh, and to, to try and tar the Conservatives as a, as a whole uh, as being complicit in this shape or forward. But let's face it, Keir Starmer and, An and Angela Rayner have not been without the controversies around their, their leadership as well. I think, I think um, as much as Keir Starmer probably would want a general election going forward, or probably inwardly, I think they probably wouldn't, because I think there are, are still some, some serious splits within the, in the Labour Party that he's going to actually need to get resolved before the, the Labour Party are in a, in a fit place to actually go for a, a general election. So if, if, we were, if we were sat here next autumn, because uh, I think that's when the Parliament uh, run, runs out, you know, yeah. Do, do do you think that the new leader has got enough time to to turn the polls around and um and uh, and lead a conservative majority government for another term? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there is the school of thought, I guess, that with a eighty seat majority, the chances statistically, the chances of it of it getting larger are less than it getting smaller, aren't they? So I guess that's the argument against going early, isn't it, as yeah. well? Yeah, I mean, if we learned anything from the 2017 election, um, and let's hope we did, there, there's a time to roll the dice and a time not. And that obviously was not the time to roll the dice. So maybe we'll learn from that. If the new leader disappears off for a walk for a couple of weeks, brace yourselves for we, when they come back. We, sh we should worry. We should worry. <laughs> 
Well, if, if if Penny was to go for a walk around Portsea Island, I don't think that would take a couple of weeks, really, would it? So <laughs> no, that's that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure if she went hiking somewhere, it would. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, who who knows? Who knows? It's all to. So as we draw the show to a close, Simon, is there anything else you want to add? Or no, I, I don't think so. I mean, thank you for inviting me on. I'm more than happy to to come on and discuss things. I mean. As I said, it hasn't really played out for, uh, from certainly from my residence point of view over the last ten days, which uh, uh, I didn't think it was, and certainly from from my group's uh, point of view, we're all we're all to focus in on uh, next week's or, or ten days' time and uh, and the council meeting. So you'll have more than enough there to fill your next show, I would yeah. imagine, with ten odd notices of motion. That will be. Uh, uh, and as I understand, there's some quite diverse ones there as well. So it'll be it'll be interesting. But it's back to back to the business, shall we say, of uh, of uh, holding the administration to account in Portsmouth. Okay, it's certainly the focus of our show. We keep refreshing the the council's page, but the agenda's not up yet. So we keep we're we're eagerly waiting for its release. Uh, it'll it'll come out on um, Tuesday. They normally come out on a week before, so it'll be okay. Tuesday, I would imagine. We sh- we shall go and have a look on Tuesday. We know we know how to, to have fun. Let let nobody say we don't. So <laughs> at, at least at least we we get to read it quietly. We don't have to be there for the. Uh, we'll we'll do our usual. Um, having seen it, our speculation on uh, whether you'll be home before midnight. So uh, Simon, thank you ever so much for your time. You've been listening to you're very welcome the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris, and our guest has been Simon Bosher. And I've been Simon Sansbury. And as Simon was mentioning, uh, do join us next week uh, when we look at the rundown of the um, of next week's full council. Uh, so what's the summer agenda? That'll be our show next week. Join us at 627 uh, next Sunday evening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows, and get to know when we're live. We normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening. Then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy.